Thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So, good morning. I wonder how you all are this morning. I wonder what comes to mind when I say the word wonder. Maybe that's your favourite film with Owen Wilson and uh, Julia Roberts. Maybe you think of Stevie Wonder, Wonder Woman, Wonder Wall. Maybe it's your favourite Shawn Mendes song. Yes, I did Google that. I am far too old to know Shawn Mendes songs. Perhaps today you're, as me, as I am, wondering who hates. And perhaps we'll all find out as the new series of Line of Duty starts tonight. Or maybe you're even wondering what amazing thing might happen in the drum cage today. <sighs> if you notice the sign. But I wonder what makes you feel wonder. For me, it's probably, you know, any kind of long, sustained note sung by Josh Groban. But um, it's not something that I generally think of adults experiencing that much. I sort of tend to think of children, really, more when I think about wonder. Little wide-eyed kids with their open mouths, and I think of my son when he met the Red Power Ranger, or my daughter when she met Snow White and countless other Disney princesses. But wonder is the subtitle of today's message, and it's, it's not really the subject of Psalm 8, but it's certainly the sentiment. And we're going through a series on sound at the moment, aren't we, titled The Soundtrack to Our Lives. And as we read Psalm 8, it will probably bring to mind a few songs that we regularly sing. So it is quite literally part of the soundtrack to our lives. We've sung some of them this morning already, haven't we? So let's just start by reading Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the prayers of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea. All that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So it's not one of those psalms that's very lamenting or angry, is it? It's a real song of praise and acknowledgement of who God is, uh, of what he's done and who we are in relation to him. And I like to think of it as a praise sandwich. It begins and it ends with Lord, 
our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And majesty means supreme greatness, authority, sovereignty. David is acknowledging that God is the greatest. He is the one with authority and kingship. He's the top. And his creation demonstrates that and speaks out his name, filling the earth. Again, again, we've sung that this morning, haven't we? And we read in Isaiah 55, don't we, that the mountains and the hills will burst into song and the trees will clap their hands. And it's documented as well in, stop, <laughs> Luke 19. But Jesus says, if the people don't praise, the stones will cry out. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He has set his glory in the heavens. I can imagine David just kind of looking up at the sky as he wrote that. And he probably thought that all he could see was all there was to see. You know, if only he knew what we know now. Just have a little look at this picture. Oh, first one. <laughs> first picture, number one. That's the one. <laughs> so you probably need your glasses to see the really, really tiny little specks in the bottom right-hand corner. So one of them down there, that's us, that's the earth. And then the big orange-looking thing is the sun. That's how big the sun is in comparison to the earth. Now, yes, next slide, please. <laughs> if we then look at the little yellow blob in the middle, that's the sun. And then if we just look at this, the blue um, one in the left-hand corner, that's a star called Bellatrix. It's a very strange planet, bit of a joke for the, uh, uh, sorry, sp star joke for the Harry Potter fans. But look at the sun in relation to that. Like, sun's like, what? Nothing. Next slide, please. <laughs> so then if we sort of look at them um, a bit further out as well, in the top left-hand corner, we've got another star now that's named Rigel. The sun's barely a blip on there, is it? Let's keep going. And then the red one up there, that's called Betelgez. Said it right. Looks like Beetlejuice. And then Rigel, right down in the bottom, can hardly see that anymore, can you? And then, next slide. Next slide, please. <laughs> anyway, it don't matter. What we're going to do, it would show Betelgez as a very little thing and something else much, much bigger. There we go, okay. You get the point. <laughs> Things just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger until you reach the boundary of the observable universe, which, if I've done my maths right, has a diameter 685 trillion times bigger than that of that behemoth Betelgeuse that we saw before. How mind-blowing is that? It's amazing. Absolutely just incredible. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the universe. But then if we look at the other end of the scale, we can think of electrons and Higgs boson particles and all that stuff. There's probably a lot of you out there now just going, please stop talking, that hurts my brain. 
But there's really tiny, tiny little particles that can be fraught with the power to render mass areas of land uninhabitable for, well, what seems like ever for us. A human ovum, a female egg, it's got a diameter of less than a hair that's on your head. And yet it contains all the information and equipment that's needed to make a whole grown-up person with unique abilities and characters. It's just amazing. God is amazing. And his perfect design for creation is just incredible. From the colossal to the absolutely minute. Amazing. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. As we've been considering those things, I hope you all experienced some of that sense of amazement that I think David was experiencing It's what we mean by wonder, isn't it? It's those things that make us go, wow. Not things that make you go, hmm, for those of you in my generation. Things that make you go, wow. And it's quite easy to experience when we stop and we consider his creation, isn't it? And all the things that God has done and made. But I wonder how much wonder you're experiencing in your day-to-day. I hope you all look for getting a little bit real now because it's the only way I know how to be. Um, I had a bit of a giggle when Johnny asked me to speak on wonder because it was actually something um, that I'd been having a bit of a dialogue with God about for a while. So starting a couple of years back, um, things that I felt God said would happen weren't happening. Things that I felt for sure wouldn't happen did happen. Um, Negative things that I hadn't even given any thought to at all happened. And I became really unsettled, uh, really doubting my ability to hear God's voice. And I guess fearful on a low level. And I think probably now we're 12 months into this pandemic, then some of you may have experienced some similar feelings to that. Those of you who've been coming to Springmount um, for a good while will probably know that I used to do wow slots on a Sunday morning where I shared good news stories of what God was doing through the work I do for church um, through CAP. If you don't know what CAP is, then have a look on our website and that will link you through to their website and you can read all about it there. Um, But the idea of those wow moments uh, was to inspire and encourage um, those listening. But in that time, I was finding fewer reasons to say wow. Yes, I could marvel at the stars and I could read the Bible and I can hear stories from elsewhere about God was doing But being honest, I wasn't feeling much up close and personal wonder. And I've still got a piece of paper from around that time that I wrote on saying, I've got to hear with me, oh, and wonder, I want it. And I don't mean like, oh, I've got a parking space, awesome. I mean, the cancer is in remission type, awesome. I wanted that kind of wonder. And again, and I'm sure that as you know, many of you can relate to that as we've now been living under these restrictions for over a year as well. It's quite hard to experience wonder when you're just looking at the same four walls every day, isn't it? I felt particularly challenged at the time by a song called This Is A Move. You might know it. It says things like, mountains are still being moved. Bodies are still being raised. Giants are still being slain. Wonders are still what you do. They're really big words. 
And like I said, I can marvel at creation. I can read my Bible and hear testimonies of miracles that have happened. But that song says still, 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 still. I've personally not seen a genuinely broke all the laws of scientific expectation type miracle. And everything that I was praying for at the time wasn't happening. So I didn't really feel that I could sing that song with any authenticity. I could worship God for all he'd done, but was struggling to see what he was doing. I could pray, believing he could, but not really believing that he would, for me anyway. At that time, honestly, I was more wondering what God was doing than wondering at what God was doing. Let me just share one situation with you. Um, Excuse me. It'll be two years ago in June that my husband got the news that he could literally drop dead if he put too much strain on his heart and he needed an urgent operation to replace his aortic valve. We were given to believe that this would be done in two months, three at the outmost, and it was a shock. Um, And we did pray for a supernatural, miraculous healing. Of course we did. Um, But actually we did have real peace at that time. But then three, four, five months passed and frustrations began creeping in. Our life was on hold. Things that we couldn't start personally and professionally because he could be called for the operation at any time. And a couple more months passed. And then our daughter came home from school absolutely heartbroken one day. She just sat her biology mock GCSE exam And it had four pages all about her dad's condition in it and all the things that could go wrong with her operation. She saw death written down. So that just then, for us, added another layer of worry to to the situation. We wanted it all to be over before she sat her exams. Weeks later, still nothing. And then Peter had some sort of event that led him to A&E. We thought for sure they'd send him for surgery straight away, but nope. He then wasn't well enough to go to work, and still we waited. Thankfully not for too much longer though, as a couple of weeks later we got a date for the operation, 24th of March, woohoo, thank you God. And then we all know what happened in March, don't we? And on the 20th we got the dreaded news that the operation had been cancelled indefinitely. We were devastated. We had to wait another eight weeks before we actually got another date for his operation. At that time, somebody asked me how I was feeling. I think they were expecting me to say something positive, but my answer was angry. God had had eight good months to answer our prayers in, and here we are, two months into a pandemic. I have to just drop him off on the doorstep of a hospital 100 miles away, then drive home, knowing there's a very real, if small, possibility of not seeing him again. That is not the way it's supposed to be. He actually came through it amazingly well, as those who, who know him you know, will know. And there was obviously massive, massive relief for us. But I felt really damaged by that whole experience. And I just kept wondering, why God? Why like that? But in recent weeks, probably because he knows that I'm only now ready to hear, God has opened my eyes I want to show you another two pictures. 
So this is Peter, just finishing the Keswick to Barrow walk. Now, if you don't know what the Keswick to Barrow walk is, uh, it's around about a 40-mile walk. It's gruelling. It begins on an extremely steep gradient. It's a very, very long and difficult walk. And the next picture. This is Peter carrying a shed from somebody's back garden to an allotment, probably 200 metres round corners and over uneven ground. Both of those pictures are taken a matter of days before he received the news that exertion could kill him. On the day that Peter should have had his operation, he had a high temperature and a persistent cough. I'd been ill for a good few days and had last all, lost all sense of smell and taste. They weren't testing at that time generally, but it's very obvious that COVID was in our home and he being clinically extremely at risk Batted it off, no problem. His operation would have been cancelled anyway and we could have put others at risk if we'd gone to the hospital sick. I'd been asking God for a miracle, for supernatural healing, or for an operation at exactly the right time by my reckoning. And when I didn't get that miracle, I got angry. But God has opened up my eyes to see the much greater miracle that was in the waiting. Peter survived three specific things that could very easily have killed him, just on top of the passage of time, which would have ever been worsening his condition. God demonstrated his love for us, not in a big obvious way, but in sustaining him day after day for way longer than we thought would be possible and through things we wouldn't have thought possible. The miracle was in the ordinary, the everyday that we took for granted, that we missed noticing. And once he'd opened my eyes to that, I thought, wow. We were worrying over our daughter's GCSEs and God knew she wasn't even gonna have to sit them. <laughs> And you know, the date that he actually did have the operation, May the 12th, that he would have been sat doing her biology exam right at that time when he had that operation. Now, I don't believe God organised a pandemic so that Thea didn't have to sit that exam. Obviously, of course I don't. But he's in that somewhere, isn't he? His ways are higher than our own as we sing. Wow. The miracle looked really ordinary, but was deeply loving and personal. I was asking God for wonders from him. He was asking me to wonder at him. I mentioned that I wrote down awe and wonder, I want it. And I don't think it's wrong to want to experience signs and wonders. But let's not miss the wonder to be had in the everyday whilst we desire the big stuff. When our children are young, we tell them of Jesus' miracles, don't we, to teach them how amazing he is. And so we set that perception of miracles being the big stuff, the things that go against the laws of nature from really early on, don't we? So just think about the feeding of the 5,000, for example, such little food being able to feed so many, so much food that there's even leftovers. Wow. And the wonder is in the increase, right? But is that the only wonder that that story holds? Have you given much thought to the leftovers? How many baskets of leftovers were there? 12. How many disciples were there? 12. 
What were they doing before Jesus performed that miracle? They were fretting and panicking about the lack of food situation. They were asking Jesus to send everyone away, saying, I haven't got enough money to feed them. They weren't even asking Jesus for a miracle. They were already defeated. But Jesus demonstrated his great love for them and showed each one of them so personally that they could trust him for everything they needed by giving them each a basket full of food after the crowd had been fed. Wow. Leftovers, very ordinary, but deeply personal. Not only that, this point might have been very, very obvious to you, but I've only just seen it. When I think of that story in my mind's eye, I thought, can you imagine Jesus holding up the food up to heaven and then like the food just suddenly kind of being there in the baskets, like abracadabra kind of thing, which the disciples then distributed. But there's no mention of the baskets till the end. It says, Jesus holds up the five loaves and two fishes, gives thanks, breaks them into pieces and hands to the disciples. The disciples have between them five broken loaves and two broken fish. And they distribute that to 5,000 men plus women and children and then pick up 12 baskets of leftovers. The miracle took place in the hands of the disciples. Wow! They said, we can't feed them all. It would take more than six months' wages, but Jesus showed them that with his blessing, they could. He even later told his disciples, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these he didn't just say, like you, to the disciples. He said, whoever, you, even greater things than Jesus. Wow. So if we go back to Psalm 8, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? They, we, are created with God-given potential to do even greater things than Jesus. Wow. He has made them us a little lower than the angels and crowned them us with glory and honor he made them us rulers over the works of his hands he made us almost heavenly with significance and authority i don't know about you but if i really grasped all those truths i'd live my life very differently much more boldly much more confidently much more expectantly. But recognizing those facts and putting our faith in them are two entirely different things, aren't they? I don't want to live only seeing what God has been doing with hindsight. I want to be walking alongside and working with him and praising and wondering at all he is doing and allowing and enabling me to do every day, every ordinary and even every really sucky day. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Let me just digress a little bit. So something that always fills me with a, a really human kind of wonder is standing at the top of a building, a monument kind of thing, and just being able to see over the whole city and beyond, really breathtaking views. You know, the view on the ground is just not the same. But to get to the top takes effort. And so St. Peter's in Rome, for example, has got 551 stairs to the top, and that's quite challenging on the thighs. 
But when you get to the top, if you just keep looking at the ground where your feet are, then you're going to completely miss the view. So we need to look away from ourselves to see the view. If I want to see what's even further away on the horizon, then I need to look through if there's binoculars provided to see those things close up to get the full experience. And earlier I mentioned some massive celestial bodies, so big that we just can't comprehend them in our little brains. And yet I can't just go outside and have a look at them. I need to have a really proper mahoosive telescope and I'd need to know where to point it. I also mentioned a human egg. But to see the structures contained within that, we need to place it on a slide and look at it through a really powerful microscope. Can you see where I'm going with this? Wonder doesn't often just step in our path and slap us in the face. We may need to put some effort in to position ourselves properly, to look in the right direction and to look through the right lens. I spend too much time looking through the lens of my own experience and expectations so I can stress and worry and miss the opportunity to see God at work while he is working instead of after he's already done it and miss the opportunity for wonder to be experienced when I humble myself before him, look to him and then look at my circumstances through his lens, position, posture, and perspective. I spent so much time saying please that I didn't take the time to just sit and listen to God and let him change my glasses. It's what Romans 12.2 is talking about, isn't it? When it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The more time we spend with him listening, the more we'll be able to see things from his perspective, through his lens, the more we'll wonder at seeing him move, especially in the ordinary, the more we'll wonder by just being in his presence. We pray on a Tuesday night in our house group for a very outward um, focused and particularly for uh, the persecuted church. And Please join us if that's something that interests you. Just have a look on the website. Um, but I've been really, really impacted recently by listening to the stories from the persecuted Christians from around the world. And at the end of their stories, they give prayer points. And you would think after listening to their stories that the first prayer would be that God would put an end to their circumstances. But it never is. They ask for prayer for strength that God's glory will be seen through them, that the circumstances they're experiencing will bring them closer to God, increase their trust in God. Wow. We've heard it said before, haven't we, that you only really know that God is all you have, all you need when he is all you have. And we can see that in their testimonies, wonder just in his presence. I feel really able to sing this is a move now. God's really challenged me because who am I to determine what a miracle is? Who am I to define a mountain or a giant? So to finish, let's just pop back to Psalm 8. If you want to keep hold of the sense of wonder it's written in, think about that sandwich structure. Know who God is. Know who you are through his lens and then remind yourself again who God is. 
As I say that, it reminds me of how I was taught to cross the road safely when I was little. Look left, look right, and look right again. Look up, look around, and then look up again to make sure it's all still okay. Don't just bookend your day with thoughts of God. Live your day aware of his presence with you. Continually look up, look around, look up again. Verse three said, consider the heavens. Consider the vastness of the pictures that we saw earlier. Consider the intricate design of even the smallest parts of creation. The creator of those sees you and loves you. Wow. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Our Lord, he's ours. If you've not yet took hold of that and begun that deeply personal relationship with Father God, with his son Jesus who died for you and his Holy Spirit who's ready to dwell in you and empower you, then tell him now you want to start. I was just going to pray as God led this morning, but then the two um, Bible uh, devotionals that get emailed to me each day um, both came with prayers and I was just blown away I just thought wow God so I'm just going to read instead as we pray this morning the prayers um, yeah that came to me this morning God I am amazed that right now I am talking to you I am talking to the God of the universe and you are listening to me but the thing is I also want to listen to your heart for the world for others and for myself so please make talking to you the highlight of my day and show me how amazing talking with you really is. Mighty God, often I tend to get disillusioned by closed doors and dead ends. My eyes see what is in front of me. Help me to believe that all things work together for the good of those who love you and who have been called by you. You're a God who keeps his word. We have an unknown future, but a known God, don't we? And you're amazing, Lord. Amen.